This episode of Burn the Haystack is sponsored, somewhat ironically, by The Haystack. The Haystack is a voice for young adults in the Seventh-day Adventist Church that produces articles, music reviews, videos, and more. To check them out, go to thehaystack.org. The Haystack, life, culture, theology. Welcome back to Burn the Haystack with Josh and Jesse. I'm Jesse. And I'm Josh. This is a conversation where we save the best and burn the rest of our culture and faith practices. Ooh, yes, we do. <laughs> Nailed it. <laughs> oh, my yeah. gosh. Welcome back, everybody. It's uh, been a few weeks into 2019. We're kind of like uh, smashing it. Hope your January is going well. How's your January going, Josh? Uh, stressful because I'm moving houses. What? Moving houses isn't stressful. What are you talking about? <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah, I'm uh, yeah, about to do the big move to, to Hamilton. So very excited. Yeah, nah, it's, uh, it's a big move. It's a uh, significant one. We did it like a year ago. Moving cities is, yeah, it kind of sucks. Like we both moved houses like in the cities that we lived in. I moved, I moved once and you moved once. And now twice. you're moving to a whole new... No, no, I moved twice. Did you move twice? Yeah. When did you move twice? While well, I've been living here. In Palmy? Yeah. Oh, you're right. You had the little house first yeah. and then you upgraded yep. to carpety... Carpety something? Yeah, well, I'm not going to say my address. Like. Well, no, 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 no. But like, I like it because it was carpety and I like the ice cream. Yeah, that, and you also liked the island. I do like the island. If you'd like to hear Jesse's thoughts on carpety island, you can go back to episode... Oh, I don't know what number I it was. I think it was like six or something like that. It was Called, pretty... Yeah, uh, <laughs> Jedi and Drunk Pigeons or Drunk Pigeons and Jedi. I think it was Jedi and Drunk Pigeons because the plural Jedi is Jedi, right? Yeah. Such a weird factoid. Anyway. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, I moved house again and then now I'm moving up north. It's a sad day. Soon we'll have to uh, record all our podcasts via Skype, which you guys probably won't notice much of a difference because we'll be recording our audio like individually anyway, yeah. just it, for anybody who's interested. Funnily enough, the audio quality might increase actually. Yes, it <laughs> when will. We do because that, yeah. Josh has a fancy new microphone and I do not. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, but I mean also isolating sounds and all that kind of stuff. That's true. Are you yeah. going to like set up in a closet or something like that? That'd be fun. Mm, no, I like sunlight. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I'll work it out. But I'm, I'm excited. It'll be a different journey, but yeah. You guys probably won't ever notice except for the fact that we'll be talking about it. No, we'll be talking about it. People kind of, I think people are kind of like generally interested to, like they don't need to know every detail. Like I'm not going to, oh, this is what I had for breakfast this morning. But I think people are generally kind of interested. Like this has become like a community thing. Yeah. So I kind of like that. I've had a lot of people ask me, so, oh, you're moving. So what's going to happen to the podcast? Is it, <laughs> is it ending? And I'm like, no. Literally no. everybody that learns asks me that same question. It's so annoying. Yeah. I'm like, no, guys, if it was ending, Ending, everybody would know it's not ending yeah absolutely i mean come on guys what is this 2010 why would it be no it's just because like i think people have this expectation that it's like because we're move, you're moving you know like the technology will oh, the technology right, right. stretch like i think maybe like five ten years ago possibly but come on we live in like 2019 now so the technology is totally doable yeah absolutely so yeah I'm excited. It's gonna be it's gonna be great. And do you know what I got for Christmas that just gave me a little reminder? 
What did you get for Christmas? I got a Fitbit, right? Oh, yeah. And so I have to walk 250 steps every hour to remain active. Oh, well, um, so guys, this is going to be an active podcast. <laughs> Halfway through this podcast, we're just you're going to hear a whole bunch of stepping, like walking noises. Well, I just I just got reminded that I have 165 steps left this hour and only 10 minutes to do them. And I've just sat down to do a <laughs> podcast. Maybe we should do like a podcast like while we're walking. Like we should have like one of those like lapel mics and we could just like walk and talk. I would love that actually. That would be fun. I wonder if there are any podcasts like that, like just active podcasts. There's a there's a podcast that I used to listen to where it's like the driving to work podcast. Okay. And this guy would like he's like the head of Wizards of the Coast. He's one of the like head guys of Wizards of the Coast. Right. So those are the guys who made the Magic the Gathering card game and Correct. A lot of like tabletop sort of games. Yeah. And he just like sets up a microphone as he's driving to work like every week and he just talks for like half an hour, I think, is like how long it takes him. So I don't know. He's American. He can just sit there and talk for like half an hour. I don't know if I could do that. Just like, what are you saying about Americans? I'm saying they like to talk. <laughs> yeah, actually, I'm uh, sorry, Americans. Well, no, Pastor Marcos, who we've had on here, yeah, yeah he's he's he confirmed fully, that. He fully admits it. <laughs> he he's loves not, it. He's not shying away from that fact. He's <laughs> like, yes, this is what like he's being real, which I like. It's authenticity. But you know what I like? He talks a lot, but everything he says is good. Well, I wouldn't say that every single thing he says is good, but the most very, like, you can't say that something that everybody says, like, no, something, you can't say that somebody says everything and it's good. Well, I'm sorry for trying to compliment him, Jesse, and you taking it way too literally. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> that's, that's a good call. But I'm just saying, like, okay, in his podcast, his podcast is very good. Marcos, your yeah. podcast is very good. I really enjoy it. I listen to it every week. Same, same. Cool. but the majority of what you say sucks (laughs) i'm joking i'm joking you're a funny guy and you have a lot of good stuff to say and i thank you for your ministry your country salutes you marcos australia we're not even in his country (laughs) we're not in either of his countries i know i know anyway anyway all right this is derailing. We've lost We've lost it. We're we've too rusty. It. We've taken too long a holiday. Oh, the holiday was too good. Did you have a good holiday? It was hot. Australia was hot. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, 40 yes. degree days. You know what I found ironic? Very ironic. Everybody laughs at me, so you'll get a good kick out of this. I was in Australia for close to two, uh, three weeks, and mm-hmm. um, as you say, hot, 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 hot. Uh, I was out in the sun a fair bit, I would say. Uh, didn't get burnt, sunburnt once. Oh, good on you. However, I come back to New Zealand and I have to go and do a whole bunch of gardening because we have a house inspection like two days after we got back. And um, so I was out in the garden for like three hours, weeding and mowing and all that sort of stuff. Get sunburnt as. So you go to Australia, no sunburn. The first day back in New Zealand, so burnt. It was, it was crazy. You want me to science you on this? Sure. So um, as a lot of people know, but maybe not our international listeners, but all of our, I'm sure all of our listeners in Australia and New Zealand know, over Australia... Um, Literally all of them? Sorry. I'm pretty okay, sure. I'm it's a pretty common fact. It's like yeah, yeah, you yeah. learn it in school and stuff, but uh, there's like a, a hole in the ozone layer over Australia and actually over New Zealand as well, right? So mm. the ozone layer isn't because of the damage and whatever, so it's not as good. That's why the sun is more intense in Australia. But the hole is actually worse in New Zealand. So even though it's not as sunny here, the sun actually does more damage and is stronger when it shines in. That is crazy. Yeah, like so that is actually crazy on an environmental level. It's very frightening. Because yeah, it's colder here. 
Yeah. But you are more likely to get sunburnt. Like I've used sun- I've used sunscreen in New Zealand and still gotten burnt, which has never happened in <laughs> Australia. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's insane. Yeah. So there you go. Fun facts for all of our international listeners who did and well, I guess some of our local listeners who didn't know that. That would explain partly why I went on holidays to Mauritius like two years ago. And I tried desperately the whole time to get a tan because like we went to this resort and you know, it's like all these people just getting a suntan. Mm-hmm. I tried. I even used um suntan oil like the the bronzing oil oh yeah that's supposed to like make your skin tan yeah no didn't work really no didn't work at all your australian skin is hardened to it i know it's like yeah it's just resistant it's like no thanks we're not gonna get a tan fascinating do you know what else is fascinating your face thanks Uh. (laughs) (gasps) our topic for today yes um, so I just want to ask our dear podcast listeners a, uh, a question. Have you ever found yourself in a situation where you're in church and you're listening to a sermon and the preacher, whoever the preacher might be, doesn't matter, goes from one point to the next, seemingly wildly makes all sorts of audacious and crazy claims. And then he just, he or she chucks in a random Bible verse to go, bam, prove my point. Or have you ever been in a conversation with somebody over Facebook or in real life about the Bible, maybe some sort of argument or, you know, healthy debate, and for their arguments, they just say something, maybe wild, maybe serious, maybe reasonable, but then they just throw Bible verses in, bam, 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 to prove their point. If this has ever happened to you, then you may be a victim of proof texting. Oh, no. And you deserve compensation. Compensation, (laughs) yeah. Call our lawyers today and we'll help you to get the compensation you deserve. Just talk to Ryan Becker at Absurdity. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, he's our our money man. (laughs) Yeah, so proof texting, that's all we want to talk about. Yeah. It's um a big, 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 big thing. Not just in not just in Seventh Day Adventism, but worldwide church. Um, yes. So not just in our denomination, but everywhere. And even realistically, even outside the church, it's a huge problem. So let's quickly define what proof texting is. If you just Google it, this is the this is sort of the answer that um, Dr. Google will give you. Um, proof texting is the practice of using isolated out-of-context quotations from a document to establish a proposition in eisegesis. Now, that's a big word, okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I think we should probably take a little bit of time to talk exactly about what eisegesis is. That'll help us to kind of more fully understand um, the whole concept. So, Josh, have you ever heard of exegesis? Yes. What is what is exegesis? I don't know why I'm yelling. I'm sorry. I don't know either. You're really, you're really getting into it. But yeah. uh, exegesis is when you try to uncover what a document meant to by its author to its intended audience. Yeah. So I would say that you are exiting yourself to look at the perspective of another. Yeah. I, that's good. Um, you could also say that it's like drawing out because I think ex exa is like, like you're drawing out meaning or, mm-hmm. or whatever. So... If you flip that on its side, you end up with eisegesis, mm. which is putting in meaning that perhaps wasn't there to begin with. How I remember that is I already have the answer, eisegesis. I'm just looking for you to back me up. Oh. 
So that's why one is I'm exiting myself and one is I already have it. That's really good. Thanks. Came up with that at college so I could remember. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and that's that's exactly what we're talking about because that's what proof texting really is. Proof texting is the um, act of arriving at a conclusion about something, whether it's something about God, whether it's something about the Bible, or if it's something completely different. It's arriving at that conclusion and then looking for quotations in the case of church Bible texts to back you up. Um, so there are many, many, many examples of, of this in the Bible. Um, one of the ones that uh, a lot of Christians use is when it comes to food and Adventists and other Christians kind of go on different sides of the coin to this. Adventists will often point to um, the Levitical laws, which talk about prohibition for animals and um, for eating different types of animals, mm. all those different laws. And they'll be like, there you go. It means you can't eat pigs and shellfish and all that other stuff. Yeah. On the other hand, a lot of other Christians will point to Colossians chapter 2 or 3, I believe. Somebody can correct me on this because I don't have it right in front of me, where Paul talks about um, not being shamed for um, practicing certain rituals, holy days, and eating certain foods um, because those things aren't as important. And so a lot of Christians will point to that and say, well, it doesn't matter what day you worship on. It doesn't matter what you eat. Um, they'll also use things like when Jesus says, it's not what goes into your mouth that makes you unclean, talking to the Pharisees, it's what comes out. So people will go, well, there you go. That means that it doesn't matter what you eat because what's important is what's in your heart. Hmm. And all of those sound great, but there is of course, a deeper problem in proof texting because you're often just scratching the surface of what the text actually means and not digging underneath the surface to discover sometimes the hidden or the truer meaning behind the meaning. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. And I think, um, I mean, if I guess what... Like it's it's not bad to look at 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 Leviticus, but if you only use Leviticus to prove something, you kind of run into a bunch of problems. Yeah, (laughs) but it's when you actually look at it as a whole picture and say, "Oh, this is what it's actually really saying," and then you begin to look at it in other thing with other things as well. Yeah, you begin to get what you call, I think, a better narrative. But yeah, it's it's one of those things. It's like if you if you you could almost make the Bible say whatever you want by just right picking and choosing. And without any context. And I think that's the real danger, right? Mm. Because Christians aren't the only ones to do this. And so, like, for instance, the um, there's this YouTube channel, um, The Amazing Atheist. Have you ever seen that, Josh? No. He's, um, he's an atheist and he's kind of like a Hitchens, Dawkins sort of apostle. Okay. And he is sort of like that militant atheist sort of person. And um, really fascinating guy. Like, um, much love to him. I, I'm, not, I'm not hating on him or anything like that. But I remember a video that I watched um, where he was just ragging on Christianity for whatever reason, um, pick, pick your reason, whatever. And one of the things that he did was he opened up the Bible and he went to the New Testament and he just went straight to the, uh, a, a part of Jesus's teachings where Jesus was saying, I didn't come to bring peace, but a sword. Oh gosh. To bring division yeah. amongst, you know, brother, uh, like sons and fathers and, you know, if you if you if you love these more than you love me, then I'll have no part in you. And 
and all that sort of stuff. And he's yeah. like, if that's the Jesus of the New Testament, if that's the Jesus of Christians, I don't want to have anything to do with it. Uh, and yeah. he's doing the exact same thing that Christians do, just in the reverse, which is crazy, right? Right, yeah. It's like our own thing is used against us. Yeah. But realistically, if you understand what he's talking about, it it's actually quite a compelling message. It's really interesting. Yeah. But Jesus uh. is using hyperbole. And it's just those sorts of subtleties get lost when you do this sort of proof texting stuff. Um, so one of the things we've said uh, before we kind of dig into why people proof text and sort of what we're going to do about it. Um, one of the other examples I think we should draw to people's attentions, uh, and we've already kind of mentioned it, is that it's not just Christians who proof text and it's not just the Bible that gets proof texted. Um, this is actually also a really big issue with journalism today. Yeah. Uh, fake news is yeah. kind of become like a buzzword in the last yeah. two years. It's like a meme, but yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, that's the thing with, with like Trump, you know. I mean, I, I'm not a Trump lover by any means. Like I don't, anyway. Um, but people, like they just jump on the bandwagon of hating Trump and they just pull out all these random things that he said and string them all together and make him look like something that I don't think he necessarily is. Yeah, absolutely. And look, let's be clear, like whether you believe that Trump is great or, or terrible, um, if you're just to study his life and some of the things he's actually said and some of the things he's actually done, you know, not not even digging into the purported sort of things that he's done that people can't really prove. Like it's bad enough once you take the whole thing into account. But if you are to, to, to isolate some of these things in isolation, like it's anybody is a victim of that. Anybody can be a victim of that. Yeah. I mean, I think you and I both know somebody who we both love and admire <laughs> who's been a big victim of that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, some of you guys may remember the controversy surrounding PewDiePie from a couple, it, I think it was like two or three years ago now. Oh, he's had a couple of controversies. He has had a few. I've One been, was pretty well deserved, the other. Yes. Yeah. One of them, he actually, yeah, he deserved what came to him. But the other one was um, he basically dressed up in a military soldier uniform, which is actually a British soldier uniform, funnily That's the enough. the funniest part, yeah. <laughs> but people kind of saw him in a military uniform and he was making these jokes about Nazism and Jews and it was um, it was very PewDiePie. It was very lighthearted and yeah. silly. Um, bit distasteful. Like, I'm not going to... Yes. I wouldn't make those jokes. Probably a bit edgy for us. Yeah, I, wasn't, I wasn't into him at the time, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, no. Interesting. Yeah, that's when I actually started to get back into him when <laughs> the controversy because I was like, oh, wow, this is really interesting. Oh, this is not the PewDiePie I know so mm. and dislike because neither of us really liked PewDiePie when we were teenagers. Well, I didn't mind. I, I watched a couple of his um, like horror game run-throughs because oh, I was yeah. too scared to play them. <laughs> <laughs> so I found it a helpful way to see what the games that people were playing. but <laughs> Without like, actually oh. having to... Yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, look, he made these jokes and um, what ended up happening was a journalist took something that he had said out of context of, you know, the actual, it was a video, I think it was out of a video that he made. Um, and then all of these other um, media outlets started to label him as a Nazi and as a anti-Semite and, and all these other things, which... If you know PewDiePie, he's not. He's yeah. obviously not. But they just take these photos of him in that uniform and slap it all over this thing and say he's a Nazi. And This uh, is proof texting. Yeah, it was. And they still do it now to him, like Vox yeah. or whatever. Yes. They still do it now. 
Yes. Um, with this, he'll make a video about something totally random, and then they'll just they'll still call him a Nazi even now. Um, like the one with uh, the the channel, the channels that he was promoting, oh, and yeah. one of them was some edgy channel that he liked the anime essays that they did. And then there was some of it that was like anti-Semitic, and then they were like, "Oh, see, this is—he's such an—he's such an anti-Semite. He's racist. He's this. He's that." And look, PewDiePie doesn't—he doesn't need us to defend him or anything. Um, that's not the point. The point is, um, this is a problem in journalism as much as it, as it is in the church, and a lot of it comes down to integrity and mm. honesty, and which is something that you would think would be an even bigger deal in journalism. Do you think there's an element to it of like, I guess, like trying to get stuff out quickly rather than taking m- more time on journalism as well or, or to create something? I think, I think we're in a world today where news is a commodity and where uh, engagement equals bottom line and engagement also equals notoriety, which leads to a bigger platform, which leads to a bigger bottom line, which leads to more engagement. And it's like, I do think that we live in a world where news outlets and media outlets are more incentivized to create um, content that is engaging, even if that engagement is bad, negative energy, Mm. than to create something that is perhaps more honest, but less exciting. I think there's definitely an incentive in the world today Um, because we've seen a lot of um, news outlets come and go and the ones that seem to last are the ones that thrive on drama. Yeah, (laughs) Uh, so true. I don't know if you've found that, yeah. Yeah, well, that's, I mean, but that's, I mean, it's even kind of the same with with preachers. Yeah. You know, the ones who get really popular on YouTube and stuff are the ones who are kind of crazy <laughs> i mean no you get the good ones but i mean then there's also a bunch who are just really kind of radical yeah. but they're getting really popular because they've got these you know new ideas mm. which they claim is biblical because they slap a whole bunch of texts on it are you like talking specifically about like prosperity gospel or like oh there's lots of things that you yeah. know i mean like conspiracy theorists i guess like right you know or right. um even like some people have these kind of I mean, yeah, Adventists were very much like we have a big focus in our theology about the end times. Yes. And I, I'm not devaluing that at all. Um, I, you know, I think it creates a, an incredible sense of urgency. Mm. Um, and I think it is important. But some people just take it to extremes and begin to read into um, things about the end times that aren't really there. And they begin to use all these texts to create almost like a, a false narrative about the end times and put people into like a frenzy and a panic about it. Yeah. And then they feel the need to, oh, I need to share this with everybody. They need to know, you know, what whatever's happening and all this. And Yeah, I think yeah. I, I remember when we first started Burn the Haystack, one of the reasons was we just went on YouTube and looked up Seventh-day Adventist and all the top results are what you would expect. The conspiracy theorists, the anti-women's ordination people, um, the, yeah, the end times people, the prophecy people, the ones who just, yeah, just like... It's it's fantastical and it's not. <laughs> Here's the thing that I, I'm finding more and more interesting is that the truth is often a lot more boring than the fantasy. So, and that sounds like obvious. I, know I, don't, know, I don't know if I agree with that statement, but go on, go on, expi- okay, explain right, it. Let yeah. me let me explain. Okay, let's take a conspiracy theorist who believes the world is flat. 
Oh gosh. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay. He makes a YouTube video. Yep. The YouTube video gets like hundreds of thousands of views, and people like, oh my gosh, it's so compelling. Like maybe the narrator is like super like charismatic, mm, and or, they use all these random science things. Yeah. Yeah. Lots of sound effects. Really. Yeah. Music. Pseudoscience. And yeah. Take yeah, them all yeah. out of context. Yep. Then let's take a a, a video from. Some researcher somewhere in Europe, let's take, let's say he's Swedish because we're talking about PewDiePie. Some <laughs> Swedish scientist, you know, who's got like three PhDs in environmental science or, you know, geology or, or, or what is it, meteorology. Mm-hmm. And he's presenting the facts, guys. The world is round. And here's why. Here's the scientific reason why. That's boring. But that's on a fact that you already know about. Mm, you know what I mean? Like, but my point is, which one are you more? If you're just coming at it from like a purely blank state, which one are you more going to be more engaged in? Like, or just or just on an engagement level. Um, like, just if go, I didn't know anything about the Earth, yeah, which one are you <laughs> going to be more engaged in? Probably the round one. Personally, I'd be what? like, what how is how about? could the Earth be round? That's what I don't know. Like, if I knew nothing about the earth. I'm not talking I, about facts, but I'm not talking about facts at this point in time. I'm yeah. just talking about painting a narrative. Oh, oh, okay. Like as in if the scientist from Sweden was really monotone. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, I guess the, yeah. That, that's, that's all my point is. Like the point is that okay. people are more likely to believe a narrative if the narrative is exciting, even if the narrative is false. Uh, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, 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 yep, yep. All right, that makes sense. Because, I mean, I'm super interested in, like, Vsauce videos, for example. Right. But that's all very well grounded. Hey, Michael, Vsauce here. <laughs> that's fun. <laughs> he made, that's the great thing about Vsauce. They make science fun. Yeah, yeah. But I guess, yeah, that's what you're... You have some, you know, tenured professor using the same... Sharing the same facts as Vsauce, and it's not going to be as engaging. Yeah. My point is, proof texting allows people to paint whatever narrative that they want using whatever source material they want. And the onus is on them to use it in a way that is engaging, which is why so many people do it and why so many people get away with it. Right. And that's, I guess, like with the whole, I mean, our attention span sort of not really getting, I don't think it's getting shorter, but our attention span needing more kick to keep going. Yeah. Um, like, you know, with movie shots, for example, how like most frames now are like three seconds instead of like longer frames. Um, and I guess it's the same with proof texting. They can just punch in all these things and you, it just keeps your brain ticking. Yeah. Whereas if they're just sitting and focusing on one thing, yeah, I guess you wouldn't be as engaged. Okay. And let's be real. Like if you're reading a news article and uh, the news article is all about how such and such celebrity is a racist or um, they've committed some sort of uh, sexual crime because that's sort of like the, the world we live in. Everybody's coming out and saying such and such molested me or, yeah, yeah. you know, the Me Too movement um, versus a news article that is well-researched, a little bit more boring. Um, which one's going to get more clicks? Which one's going to get more engagement? Yeah, I think people are a lot more willing to buy into um, content if it outrages them or disgusts them or makes them angry or upset versus, huh, well, I guess that's interesting. Do you know what I mean? I yeah. think it just speaks to, as you're saying, 
like there's so much input in this world. People are vying, like this this podcast is vying for your attention amongst all the other podcasts that you could listen to. Why in the world would you listen to this podcast? Because you know? we're the best. <laughs> and I and if you guys think that, I love you. <laughs> Continue to spread the good word. But this is why I think, you know, proof texting is just a symptom perhaps of a greater problem in a way, which is that people are willing to buy into a narrative if it is if it appeals to them, irrespective of whether it's true or not. I think that is a big issue and I think it's partly I think it's partly why Donald Trump is the president of the United States now and not Hillary Clinton. More people were willing to buy into the narrative, the tribal narrative that Donald Trump was promoting. It's why people follow conspiracy theorists, preachers who are prosperity preachers, people who spread fear and mistrust. Perhaps they're, you know, like a, a Southern Baptist preacher who just preaches all the time about how gay people are going to hell. Like people follow that because they go, ah, oh, that's sure. It's exciting. It's certain. I feel strong when I'm a part of this and I'm just going to go along with it, if that makes sense. Not the guy who sits on stage and goes, okay, so the uh, eschatological implications of this uh, perusia is, you know, you've got to really look into the Greek and, you know. But like, truth doesn't have to be boring. Like you're painting it like proof texting is the only fun way to present something, but it's not like... Absolutely not. Yeah. Absolutely not. So I think it's it's more we have a responsibility because, I mean, realistically, you and I could pretty easily make a viral Bible YouTube video if we just proof texted and made it crazy and, you know, thing. Easily. But Lots it, of sound effects. Yeah, yeah. But Lots realistically, um, like we have a we have a dedication to not do that because we both want to use the Bible like and understand the Bible and use our teaching skills responsibly. So we would never do that. Um, but at the same time, I guess there is a harder, harder responsibility to present things like that maybe people already know, but in a fresh way that speaks to them and reveal truth that is responsible and, you know, is like, I don't know what I'm trying to say. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> I don't no, know, I yeah it's, it's a harder road, I guess. What you're, what you're basically saying, if, if I'm reading you correct, is like we have a responsibility to allow the Bible to speak to us rather than making the Bible say what we want it to say. Yeah. But do that in a way that is still engaging and like is, is life-giving to people. And because I think, and I think that's the Bible has that. Yeah. You know? Um, well, that's what I was saying like before when you were saying the truth, the, the truth is often more boring. I'm like, I don't think the truth in the Bible is boring. Like the no. gospel to, is still one of the most exciting and refreshing things even now i still think about it and i'm still blown away by yeah the, by just the gospel like just the basic i guess well i don't think it's basic but you know the then the, about jesus dying on the cross for me is like still one of the most incredible things and i don't need to add anything to it yeah i don't need to go around and proof text all these like look at all these random texts around the bible to make it something it's not just on its own it's life-changing it at a hundred percent is, and and I think that it's not the the gospel that's the problem. It's not the Bible that's the problem. It's us, you know. Mm. We've kind of made it boring, or we've kind of made it blasé. Um, but if I may, I think there's also another there's also another reason why people proof text. Um, you know, a, a lot of the time, uh, a lot of people will ask me, and they ask Josh as well. Like, Pastor, can I do this? Or <laughs> how much of this can I do? Or 
is it a sin to do X, Y, Z? What does the Bible say about Facebook? What does the Bible? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, and, and what people are looking for is they're looking for a Bible text that will give them an exact answer to their question. Because if the Bible says it, that settles it. You know, that's sort yeah. of the attitude that we have. Which I can respect. You know, I can respect their... Um, what like Their respect for the Bible? Yeah, their respect for the Bible. I was going to say humility. But yeah, yeah, no, yeah, respect is a better word. I respect their respect for the Bible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, but I think it, it can be a little bit misguided to think it's going to give you... Like the Bible words alone, like on the page, will give you all the answers you need to exact questions of yeah. 2019 and beyond. Yeah, I mean, how many times you've had a, a you know a spiritual conversation with somebody, and you and they're asking questions about all these you know deep issues, and you share your opinion, and then they go, "Well, where's the Bible text for that? What does the Bible say?" And then a lot of the time, some of the time, you know, you can have really great conversations with, well, it says in Jeremiah or it says in Mark, you know, da da da, and we can learn X Y Z from that. But sometimes as you just mentioned before, there's no Bible verse for Facebook. Yeah. yeah. But I, I had someone, like somebody asked me the other day, would Jesus be on Facebook? And I'm like, <laughs> I have no idea. I have no idea. I, I, I honestly tried to think through every everything I could about Jesus's social nature. I have no idea. <laughs> I still, I can't think of an answer. If you can think of an answer, please tell me. Like, I, I don't know. <laughs> hey man, it, Pro, Pope Francis has a Twitter account, so maybe... Yeah, maybe, but would he? Uh, would Imagine he be Jesus tweeting. Imagine Jesus tweeting. It's too short form for him, though. He this does everything true. long form. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> maybe he would be a podcaster. Maybe that's the bottom line. Jesus would be a podcaster. Would he even use the internet? I just can't see him sitting by himself. I don't know. Anyway, this is the problem. But that's what I'm saying. Like, I love that there's no answer for it, though. And it I, makes me wrestle with it. Yes, yes. And this is this is the thing. This is the thing. When it comes to proof texting, proof texting, it just it. It puts itself, it raises itself up as an easy answer. Like, okay, you have a question. All right, buddy, here's the answer, you know? And it says, any question that you have, we can answer with a simple, snappy Bible verse. Mm, and or like three Bible verses. Or like three Bible yeah, verses like, spread over a, a 72 week uh, <laughs> seminar. You know what I mean? <laughs> what? Uh, oh, no, I mean, like, okay, so you're doing this like, what do you think about this? And then they go, well, if you look in John 14, blah, 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 and you look at this, da, 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 this, da, 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 da. you know, it's just like you have like your three verses for every every question. Yes. And that's yeah. that's what we want to do. We, we, we're trying, we're always trying to figure out the perfect, like so I think for many Christians, at least many Adventists, the fear of not having an answer is like debilitating. Yeah. Like I, I have to have a I have to have an answer for everything. <laughs> you know, there can be there can be no ambiguity, there can be no gray areas. We have to be able to figure this stuff out because mm. we have the truth. <laughs> oh, there, there it is. There, yeah, there, there it is. Because if you have the truth, you have to have an answer for everything. I, and I think that that is Yeah, that's interesting. That's part of the fear. And mm. I I just I don't know that's biblical. Well, actually, biblical. Yeah. Well, well, that's well, in the in the New Testament we see like the Holy Spirit giving you an answer Heck in yeah, the moment. Yeah, you know what I mean? And I know that's for persecution and whatever, but I think it's got an extended application. So maybe I'm proof texting by saying that. But <laughs> <laughs> but I think there's been enough times when God shows up in the place of somebody's weakness mm. that you can safely say it's. I think it's good to study and I think it's good to keep learning and growing. But I think it's okay to not have an answer for everything. And to just say, you know what, maybe one day a question will come and I won't have an answer, but 
but I'm going to trust that God's going to give me the right thing to say. Absolutely. And, you know, sometimes even if God doesn't give you something, what's the harm in saying, I don't know? Like, yeah. what happens? Does your head explode? Yeah. Or even saying, well, hey, can I think about that and come back? Yeah. Well, can we have a, like, can we dialogue about that? Can we go out for a cuppa or something? You yeah. know? The I, I love I love the Jewish way of of understanding this stuff. Um, there's this there's this great um, episode of Family Guy where Stewie what has he, wait 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 when, since when are we learning about Jewish culture through Family Guy? Bro, is that just, a, just go with me. Is this a reliable Seth MacFarlane is Jewish, so okay. But yeah. anyway, yeah. So so Stewie wants to know what happens to you when you die. So he goes to all these different religious people because he just he has to know. And he goes to the rabbi at the synagogue and he says, Rabbi, so what do you believe happens when we die? And the rabbi is just like, oh, well, what do you what do you think, Stewie? And uh, Stewie's like, no, I no, I want I want to know. And the and the rabbi's like, why do you want to know what happens when we die? It's and so perfect. It's just yeah, like yeah, this yeah. very stereotypical shtick yeah. of like you know it's it's the rabbinical way you ask a question he asks a question back and it's this sort of dialogue where it's not about having the answer it's about asking questions and dialoguing together i like that I c- have you heard of that okay so there's a um jewish parable i can't okay i think yeah all right i think it, no actually I, th- I think it's a um oh what are they called a um rush Oh, uh, uh, Rashid? No. Rash, oh, goodness. Midrash. Midrash, Midrash, Midrash. midrash. Okay. Something to do with rashes. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Uh, a Midrash. I don't think it actually is, though. Now I'm confused if it's a parable or a Midrash. Anyway, let's just say this, this Jewish tale. (laughs) Regale Um, me with your Jewish tale. These are two, two rabbis. They are just, there's a certain text and they keep, arguing about what they think the text means one thinks it means the other one oh one one thinks it means something the other thinks it means something else and they just constantly argue and they can never come to resolve and they argue their whole lives and after about 30 years of arguing god sees them arguing and he's just like all right i'm gonna go and sort it out and he goes down to earth and he shows himself in front of them in all his glory and splendor and then they see him and then he he proclaims to them, this is what I meant by the text. And then they turn and then they say to God, who are you to say what this text means? <laughs> <laughs> How dare you take that away from us? And they turn around in the other direction and they keep arguing. <laughs> because sometimes people just don't want an answer to the question, but we just don't get that. It's such a funny, yeah, ah, such but, a cultural yeah. thing. Well, that's a thing. I don't like, I mean, it's like music. I, I get really frustrated when somebody tells me the direct meaning of a song because I don't think there ever is just one meaning of a song yeah. or an artwork. I mean, yeah, sometimes. Sometimes it's more obvious than others, but I find the songs that are better are songs that don't have an exact meaning. And I think this is probably also uh, comes down to personality differences as well. Probably, yeah. There are some people who, like you and me, we like the ambiguity. The ambiguity isn't threatening to us. We like there to be more than one interpretation that the truth isn't completely solid and nailed down for absolutely everything. Mm. But there are some people I think that drives them crazy. Yeah. Um, they, they, they have to have an answer. They have to know. They have to understand. Um, and, and, you know, like I think we have to be able to um, cater to different personality types and to understand that we're all different in the same way that I think an artistic person shouldn't just expect everything to be ambiguous. 
there should be some definite, some sort of foundation, some sort of solid. Okay, this is what Jesus meant when he said, you know, for God to love the world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was yeah. only son. Well, that's like, the thing. What does that mean? <laughs> what, is, what does it mean that God loved the world? Let's just sit around and talk. You know, like there's some yeah. stuff that is like solid. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, so I guess one, one thing I think we should think about though, like talk about and think about. <laughs> um, so I guess we've talked, we've kind of talked about how using lots of little texts from throughout the Bible Kind of talked about that as proof texting, but do you think there's ever a time when it's okay to do that or like an, an okay way of using lots of text to back something up? Yeah. So to get a narrative going, I guess. Yeah, yeah. yeah. In the in in the book How to Read the Bible for All It's Worth, um, which is a great book, uh, which we'll link in the show notes. Um, the authors talk about how you got eisegesis, which is bad. You should almost never do it. You have exegesis, and then there's also this thing called uh, hermeneutic, which is what is our meaning for today. And so you bridge the gap between exegesis and um, so so you bridge the gap, excuse me, between the ancient understanding and today's understanding through the hermeneutic. So it's figuring out what you know today, what what's the meaning for for today. But you can only get there once you've understood what the original meaning was mm. now there's something beyond that which is something called extended application and that goes beyond hermeneutic um, because for a lot of texts there is an, a widely accepted hermeneutic for instance john three sixteen, um, and i think when it comes to that sort of practice just quoting john three sixteen is fine yeah to be like, let's be honest. Like nobody's gonna argue with you. Like John three sixteen. Come on, man, you took that out of context. For God so loved the world, what that He gave His only Son, what that whoever believes in Him. Actually, there yeah. is one thing in that that you could take out of context. Okay, right? what's that? Uh, well, this is really pedantic. It can't, <laughs> sounds kind of dumb now that I've stopped it, but we can maybe edit it. <laughs> maybe we can edit this out if it is too dumb. But um, the word "so," okay, I don't know if you're aware of this. But a lot of people make that out so it's like God loved the world so much that he yes. gave his one and only son. That's not actually what the word would be. If you read it in context, the passage just before that is um, that um, just as Moses lifted up the bronze serpent in the wilderness, so the son of man will be lifted up. Yep. For God so loved the world. So it's actually, and in the same way, God loved the world. And he ah. gave his only son. So in the same way, the son gets lifted up. Yep. There that, you go. It's cool. Thank you. Thank <laughs> you. Thank you, Dr. Josh. Dr. Josh in the house, everybody. <laughs> I'll Just... be here all week. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so I think I think it's okay to to pull out the odd verse, but I think it's really you you get kind of into murky territory when you start to pull out things which apply to our lives on a moral level. So for instance, a, a good example of that is um, when Paul advises the church to not be unequally yoked with each other. So what a lot of um, Christians will say today is they'll apply that to marriage. Like you should not be unequally yoked, a Christian marrying a non-Christian. And we pull that out as being, well, you know, Paul says we should not be unequally yoked. If you look at the actual historical context, the literary context, all that sort of boring academic stuff, um, you don't find any evidence anywhere else in the scriptures or in Paul's writings where they compare 
the idea of the yoke, which is a very common biblical um, sort of metaphor with marriage and relationships. Jesus says, take up my yoke, which is easy. Um, and he's talking about the act of following uh, him. Nowhere else in the scriptures does um, do any of the writers talk about the yoke in the context of marriage. And so to apply that, that application, it is unbiblical. And it actually doesn't, it you actually doesn't make any sense. Now, you could make a case for extended application because you could say, well, even though we can't interpret it that way on an academic level, you could say, you could make a case that if you're a Christian, marrying somebody who doesn't share your Christian um, values and viewpoints and all that other stuff is probably not a good idea on a practical level. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. But that doesn't make it a biblical mandate, i.e., I can't, as a pastor, say, okay, guys, if you're a Christian and you're a follower of Jesus here, you're not allowed to marry a non-Christian and here's the Bible verse that backs it up. Bam, it's God's word. It's sealed. It's, you know, set in stone. The better, I would say, from just a pastoral point of view, the better approach would be to discuss it Mm. in open community because the biblical idea is valid but it doesn't mean that I get to use the Bible as something to bash you over the head with because this is what it says and that's it. And if you go against that, you're disobeying the Bible. And that, I mean, that's, that's kind of a big deal for a lot of people. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like not everything is the 10 commandments. Yeah. The 10 commandments are quite black and white. (laughs) You know what I mean? You can draw extended application from them too, which is cool. And I think Jesus sort of does that but because jesus is saying it it's not really extended application it's just law <laughs> you yeah, know what i mean yeah. but um well not law you know what i mean it's it's like a it's black and white because jesus is saying it but he's drawing something else out of them um and bringing it into a new light and making it a higher way um i did have one question for you josh yep um and this is something that we can both reflect on perhaps uh when we go we both do preaching Mm-hmm. We both preach as part of our jobs as pastors. When you actually go to preach from a passage, what's your sort of process when it comes to choosing what parts of Scripture you actually draw upon and what parts of Scripture you actually share when you're preaching a sermon? Like, it may vary, but sort of what's your general approach? Because I know that there are some preachers who will literally just preach from a single verse. There are some preachers that will preach from a whole chapter. There are some preachers that will jump around the Bible like, you know, it's a trampoline. Yeah. Yeah, I think um, it really depends, to be honest. I know it's such a cop-out answer, but it it does depend on the kind of sermon and what I'm preaching on. Um, sometimes I just sit in one story and just draw out of that story, um, you know, because there's so much context and nuances you can bring out. Um is that way? Is it? Is this what you mean? Am I going in the right direction? Yeah, here? yeah, no, yeah, that's yeah. fine. Um, but there are some cases where this is what we call like systematic theology. It's a theology built on a systematic structure of verses, I guess. Um, but even then, I really, when I preach, I will very rarely ever use more than three spots in scripture. Interesting. Yeah, that is probably the the cap for me. Okay. Um, like I don't feel the need to run through and, and prove everything that I'm saying to scripture, even though I think it, it's all a biblical idea. 
Um, sometimes I'll leave. I'll say, hey, if you want to check this out, go read this part. But I won't go there. Um, oh, yeah. Three is pretty much my cap. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to think. I don't think... That, I can't even think of... Maybe... Okay, maybe we'll just say four for good measure. But that'll be like one cool encouraging verse or something at the end. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. But that's that's the thing. Like, I think... I try and limit it so that I can make sure whatever I'm talking about, even if it's a, a, an idea that does require more than one spot of scripture, because there are some, to be honest, like there are some, like there's some application, there's amazing applications you can get from single stories. Then there's um, beautiful applications you can get from comparing two stories or two passages. Yeah, because like scripture does speak to scripture. Yeah, yeah. And I think there are some times when you do need more than one. Um, like you look at the comparison between, like you look at the story of Moses hearing the word of God, um, you know, and there's the fire and the thunder and that that sort of thing. But then later on, there's a story of um, Elijah, Elisha, Elijah. Oh my gosh, I'm confused. I'm sorry. Um, and when they, they're in the cleft of the rock and then they, um, they have the same experience except God's in the whisper. Mm. And it, you'd only really understand that there's a that God can speak to you in both if you read both stories and compare them. And then as well, you look at something in the New Testament and, and bang, it's like drawn in this into... But you're actually stopping and looking at each story and looking at each verse. Um, you know, sometimes there's things you read something in Leviticus, but then to really draw out of it and get a teaching out of it, I find you often have to pair it with something else somewhere else. Um, but you have to stop and look. You can't just jump. Um, I don't, I don't like to use the Bible as sort of like stepping stones. <laughs> you know, I have to, st- I have to just quickly jump across this thing and use, oh, I have to make sure I'm backed up quick here. <laughs> Throw these down. It's uh, like a, it's like a needing to be validated sort of thing, isn't it? It's like, I, I don't, I'm, I'm not confident enough to stand on whatever it is I'm preaching about. So I have to make sure that there's a Bible verse to back me up because if there's a Bible verse to back me up, that gives me authority and clout. Yeah, clout. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, no, but I mean, that's, it's pretty valid, I think. Like, I I would never get up there and preach with no scripture backing me. No, of course not. You yeah. know, and I definitely try not to draw too far outside of what I'm talking about, um, if that makes sense. Like, if I'm talking about one story, I try not to go too far out of what that story is saying. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, and honestly, um, like, there are a lot of tools available for people today to to go into almost, you know, pretty much, I wouldn't say as deeper understanding as your pastor because a pastor, we have more time and tools available to us and we're trained in it to look at it. You know, it's it's different. I'm not, we're not better. We just, it's our training. You know? I think I think that's a really key thing to mention, um, you know, because to be honest, there are people in my church who are spiritually much deeper than I am. That's, mm. just, that's just how it is. Uh, being a pastor doesn't mean that you have instant spiritual depth. Um, just because you are a pastor, obviously there is an onus on us to have to make sure that we maintain a vibrant spiritual life for the sake of our churches. That's a that's a big deal, yeah. a big responsibility. But it's not that we're deeper than anybody else. It's just that we have access to tools that a lot of people don't have or just don't realize that they can access. Yeah, um, but that doesn't mean that um, you, dear listener, can't have <laughs> um, deeper understanding and. You know, like, honestly, like Wikipedia, fantastic resource. <laughs> Look up a gospel in Wikipedia and it'll give you so much great information or like the, the you know, 
bio of like a character or or theology like salvation uh, sanctification justification glorification it'll give you really good rundowns of all that sort of stuff in a sort of between it's between an academic tome and a tldr like it's a really beautiful little you know middle ground for those out of the loop tldr means too long didn't read but you know i just wanted to i want to make sure everyone feels included okay, <laughs> okay. not everyone here okay. goes on reddit you know? okay, okay. <gasps> um but that's the, honestly wikipedia is great um there are so many websites these days that will show you greek words and show you hebrew words and what they mean um that's why at avondale at least they've reduced how long you have to study each language it used to be two semesters for each language now it's just one mm. and i think that's purely because of the technology available to us now that you barely need to have as much understanding of the language yeah um, it's becoming easier for your everyday person um, to understand it. But that's what I'm saying. Like, I think it's better for people to stop and drill down um, yes. rather than to feel like you need to just jump everywhere. Yes, um, like, 100%. Yeah. And I think, it's, I think it's important as well that we don't just understand Scripture, but we get a deep understanding of the greater story of Scripture. Yeah. Yeah. And this is why, I mean, I've been really loving the... Um, the Daily Walk from Boulder Church in the US. Um, they spend a whole week just on one passage of scripture mm. and you read it from different translations, you look at different angles on it, they give you different resources to read on and you just spend each... Well, you don't feel like you're going very far in scripture, but that's the thing, you're going deep. Yeah. Another thing that um, Josh did last year that I'm doing um, with Karina, my wife, this year is the Read Scripture app by um, Crazy Love, uh, Francis Chan's ministry. And also Bible Project. And they also use the Bible Project. So it's like a beautiful collab between the two. So not only are you reading the Bible. So like the idea is that you read the whole Bible in a year. So not only do you do that, but you also watch a Bible pro Project video before you um, read. And it gives you a beautiful sort of overview because the Bible Project, I think, in my opinion, is one of the most overlooked but incredible resources available to everyone. Um, it's on YouTube. It's fantastic, and the the two guys, John and Tim, who um, who make the videos with their team, they provide just the most incredible, um, overarching view of what the biblical stories are actually saying and how they fit into the overall narrative of Scripture. Yeah, fantastic for any church member. So clear and understanding. So Bible Project, Wikipedia, any web page like I don't know what is it. Um, Bible.info, whatever it is, or yeah. Bible web app. Bible Gateway. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, the, the one that um, has like all the different uh, older commentaries all stacked on top of each other, that one's great as well. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. I think it, yeah, spend time. I mean, yeah, look at different verses and where they come from. But at the same time, make sure you're spending good time drilling down. Um, don't feel like to have to prove something you need to jump everywhere and have eight verses to back it up. Um, you know, just just let each each passage speak for itself. Yeah, and if you can read through an entire chapter, read through an entire um, book, read through the entire Bible if you can. Take your time. Don't don't feel the rush to have to do it. Like yeah, I know I know some people who read the Bible, the whole Bible in a whole month. It is ridiculous. No, I don't think that's good. Oh, well, I mean, whatever floats your boat. But I think that's <laughs> like, how could you take all that in? Timothy Keller, he actually recommends when you're a new, for a new Christian, read through the Bible in one year, then read through the Bible in three years. 
Interesting. So he's like, do the first one quick so you get a sort of snapshot of what the whole basically meta narrative is and you kind of get an understanding for what everything is. Then after that, take your time mm. and like go through each, you know, and, and go slower and look look at the context of each book you're reading as you're reading through it and that kind of thing. And yeah, that's... And Timothy Keller's pretty uh, pretty switched on, so... Yeah, I think, <laughs> I think whatever he says is pretty, yeah, legit. Look, at the end of the day, for me, I think the reason why I'm so passionately against the practice of proof texting is because I believe that the overall story of the Bible, the meta narrative, as you will, is far more significant and powerful than any one little tiny part of it, um, whether that's to do with what you eat and what you don't eat, with what day of the week you're supposed to go to church or you know what you're supposed to do in your you know romantic relationships and and all the numerous other parts of life that the bible speaks to the story of jesus and the story of redemption of humanity actually falling away from god and god continually pursuing humanity to to redeem them to himself that's the overall picture and that picture is so much more powerful than any one little part it's like what do you want to do? Do you want to spend your entire life just staring at little jigsaw pieces or do you want to put the whole thing together to be able to mm. see what the whole thing looks like? Nice. That's a good analogy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's a really good analogy. Um, yeah, I guess because a jigsaw piece can look pretty on its own. But but in the whole, all mm. put together, it, it looks like a beautiful picture. Mm. Unless that jigsaw puzzle is is a disgusting looking picture, in which case it's gross. But when does that ever happen? <laughs> Never. <laughs> <laughs> you, you spend like four hours putting together a jigsaw puzzle, and it's a toilet. Like, <laughs> oh, what? <laughs> so disappointed. Yeah. But hey, that's our episode on proof texting. Um, probably one of a few. <laughs> it's yeah. it's a topic you can keep coming back to. Um, because it's so commonly used and sometimes used for good, but sometimes used for evil. E- I don't know if evil. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. But I think just misused would be a bit. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's that's it. But tell us what your thoughts. We'd love to. We'd love to hear from you guys. Um, whether you think we're we're on point or off point today. Um, yeah, we love it. Yeah, let us know what you think. Um, let us know uh, some of the ways that you read your Bible. How do you read your Bible? Um, do you read it all in a year? Do you read it in a month? Do you read like your just your daily sort of Bible app um, verses? How many? If you're on the Bible app, what's your streak? Do you have a streak? I got to a hundred once, and then I forgot to do it one day, and I lost my hundred day streak, and I was very oh, upset. Wow. And then I didn't do it anymore. I, don't I, think, I, I, was wow. just, I was just in it for the streaks. Oh. <laughs> I don't think, honestly, like, I know it sounds bad, but I don't think I've ever gone over like two weeks. But that's because I don't always use the Bible app. Like, yeah, it's, it, I mean, you got, your, you got phys, your physical Bible, you got your Bible app. I got like five Bible apps. It's yeah, stupid. like sometimes I just use Logos like on my computer. So I, I like know. the idea of having like one that you always return to. Like that's that's good to me. But at the same time, that's... I'm too easily distracted for that. Yeah. I don't know. But, but yeah. anyway. Um, yeah. And uh, if you haven't, um, we'd love it if you leave a review. Um, it helps us out. helps people recognize that this is a legitimate podcast. <laughs> Come on, dude. We're in it for a year. We're a legitimate podcast. Yeah, but people who just see the title don't know that. When they see, when they go on and they, they look up Burn the Haystack in their thing and then they see there's no reviews, they're going to be like, well... Why would I ever listen? Or oh, there's only like 10 reviews. They're going to be like, well, 
no one listens to this. But if they go and there's like 200 reviews, then it's just like, oh, snap, this podcast must be good because all, all right. these reviews are five stars because these guys are worth five stars. <laughs> so what we're really asking you is to go and make multiple Apple accounts so that you can go and like review our podcast like five times. It's not so, what we're asking. Just <laughs> okay, that's what I'm asking. <laughs> if you can, just do it. Just like dedicate Jesse, one afternoon fraud. to it. That's fraud. We're not asking people fraud? to commit How is fraud. <laughs> Okay, fine. Maybe it's slightly fraud. It's funny fraud though. That's like those. That's like those um, apps in the app store that make um, app review bots, right. and they get the bots to just review Can their app. Can we do that? Four hundred. No, we I mean, can't. That's do that. really bad. You we have integrity. Do I don't need to proof text that well, to I mean, you. You have integrity. No. <laughs> <laughs> All right. No, this is derailing. Thank you guys so much for listening. Um, yeah, please leave a review if you haven't already subscribed. Please do that. Go and head over to burn the haystack on Instagram and on Facebook to stay in touch with us and see all the latest memes and goofs and gaffs and giggles and recommendations. That's a new thing for this year. Oh yes. Sunday's recommendations. Love it. I love our I love our recommendations. There's some really cool ones out there. Love yeah. spreading the word. All right, well that's us. That is Josh and Jesse out. Thank <laughs> you.